Psalm 107. Psalm 107. chapter, great passage. I'm not going to try to preach it all, but maybe just the first little section today. Psalm 107, verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And gather them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, solitary, alone, lonely. They found no city to dwell in. Much of my teaching and preaching over the years has been how much better the country is and how evil the cities are. Let me tell you what will cure you of that. Get off on a deserted island by yourself for a little while. You'd get happy to see a city. <laughs> Tell you something else. In the church age, where we're supposed to be reaching heathen Gentiles, guess where all the heathen Gentiles are? Mm -hmm. In the city. Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating when I say all of them. There's a person in the country here and there, but nowhere near like the souls there are in the cities. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul went to the cities. Amen. Don't get me wrong, that goes against our old-fashioned, conservative, get-back-to-nature-in-the-garden-of-eat. That goes against all that, but we've got a little different task in our day. And uh, it goes against, you know, separation and clean living. You get in the cities, you won't get so long, you know, I'll guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, they're filthy. That's also where the souls are. There is a balance to this, you know, country mouse versus city mouse argument. And uh, they're out in a solitary way, and they couldn't find a city to dwell in. Verse 5, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. You get out in the wilderness, they ain't a whole lot to eat for miles and miles. Verse 6, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city. Of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Now, that's the first section, and that's all, mostly all that we're going to be preaching today, but read just a couple other verses at, toward the end of the chapter. This gives us a summary. Of the chapter. It says in verse 42, well, let's get 41 to get the context. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families. There's another antidote to the loneliness that they have when they're in trouble in this chapter. And maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. 
I want to say this morning that a study of God's various deliverances gives you an understanding of His loving kindness. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll come down now and speak to us through your word and help us understand some things, God, about some of the troubles that we get into in life. And many of them you send, it's just the truth of it, and you know what's best for us, and I pray we just trust you when those times come so that we can understand your loving kindness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to preach this morning on understanding the Lord's loving kindness. Now the word loving kindness means, as you would think it means, uh, kindness that is performed out of love. What is a better, more wonderful topic to sit and think about than somebody doing something kind for you because they love you? Man, what a beautiful thing. What's better than that? Who can bless us like our God? Now, when we think of loving kindness and somebody loving us and doing kind things for us and always trying to be helpful, we usually think of our mother. That's Usually one of the first things we think of, maybe our lover, maybe our father, maybe our brother or sister, maybe some close friends. I hope that you have loving kindness from all of these places. But let me tell you who none of those people can even come close to. God. Amen. None of those people can even touch what God can do for you. Uh, if you live very long on this earth, you're going to get yourself in some trouble that brother and sister and daddy can't help with. You're going to get yourself in some trouble that mom and best friend can't help with. But you'll never get in a, a mess that God can't help with. They're, they're, they don't have one like that unless you end up in a lake of fire. Nobody can bless you like God. And let me tell you something else. Nobody loves you like God. There is nobody loved you like God, when he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for you. Your mama just can't even get close to that. She can't even get halfway there. When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Your mom and dad are very important. They are the early indicator, the early pointer of you, I hope, to God. So we put a very great importance on mothers and fathers but they're just a means to an end. They point you to the Heavenly Father, the Eternal Father, that will be in place long after we've had to bury your mom and dad. Amen. If He gave His only begotten Son to go through what He went through for you, let me tell you something. He loved you. I promise you that. Furthermore, He said in the New Testament, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things. That's right. Now that's the one whose loving kindness you benefit from. Especially if you're saved. You get some of his loving kindness even if you're on planet earth. But when you're saved, you really get it. Amen. You can question me when we get a little bit further in this sermon. <laughs> because temporarily, he will do some things that will make you mad. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> But we don't understand our great and good God because His ways are far above our ways and He's got some things going on we, we, don't, we, we don't get. And that's, that's the truth. And because of our difference from God and our distance from God, many of His dealings we view way more harshly than we should. 
Amen. Your mom and dad loved you, but a couple times they, they, they whooped your hind end real good, and you thought they were being more harsh than they really should have. <laughs> oh, man, all things work together for good. Oh, God. <laughs> You'll have to claim that a time or two. But this psalm, Psalm 107, a great, a great psalm, specifically gives as its purpose the understanding of the loving kindness of the Lord. Now let's look at just the first eight or nine verses here and a little bit of that last verse or two there at the end of the chapter so that we can at least begin to understand the loving kindness of the Lord. All right, first thing I notice about his loving kindness here in this uh, short portion is uh, the redeemed. There are some people that he has redeemed. Their description is found in verses two and three. It starts in verse 1 with the assumption that he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Now on that basis and with that background, he goes on to describe the redeemed. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God help us to speak up for the Lord. Amen. Now there are times we probably need to watch our mouths and not say everything we're thinking. But when it comes to praising the Lord and giving Him credit for everything, that's not one of those times to watch your mouth. Amen. His praise should flow freely. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Now, redeemed means buy back in Hebrew. Something got away from you and you had to go buy it back. There are some things that it would kind of make you mad. You already owned it and here you're having to pay for it again. There are other things that are so precious to you, you wouldn't care if you had to pay for it 1,549 times. As long as you get the thing, that's all that matters. Uh, if it's an eternal soul, it doesn't matter. If it costs the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever little bit I can invest in it, I guarantee you, isn't too much. Amen. There's nothing I can invest that would compare to the investment He has in that eternal soul. And so the redeemed of the Lord were bought back with a great price. Now it says they're the redeemed of the Lord. They're not the redeemed of the capitalistic free enterprise system. Amen. Some people, that's all they ever want to talk about. They're not the redeemed of the self-made man. Some people, that's all they ever want to talk about. They're not the redeemed of the independent, strong woman. Some people, that's all they ever want to talk about. They're not the redeemed of the good-hearted person who has a real sweet turn about <laughs> Some people, that's all they ever want to talk about. They are the redeemed of the Lord. Not the redeemed of the rich man, not the redeemed of the poor man. Not the redeemed of the black man, not the redeemed of the white man. Not the redeemed of the man or woman or boy or girl, the redeemed of the Lord. This is God's work. Uh, it will behoove you if very early in your life, or at least as early as possible, you understand that God Almighty has a cause down here on this earth, and anything that is worthwhile down here is getting involved in His work. Amen. The cause of Jesus Christ. Just one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, you, i got to take care of these kids. My kids is everything to me. Let me tell you the best thing for your kids. If you really mean that, now nobody ever does. That just sounds good on social media. But if you do really mean that, let me tell you what the best thing is for your kids. You and Jesus Christ to get yes. as close as you possibly can. Yeah. If you're making that statement and Jesus is not involved, 
You are not telling the truth. That's just a feel-good thing for you to put on social media so everybody can say, oh, what a great person you are. If you're worried about your kids, let me tell you what you're concerned with. A close relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the best thing your kids ever thought about having. And if you know this King James Bible, you know that without any question about it. If you're, if you're not interested in being close to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not interested in helping your kids. If you have any biblical understanding whatsoever. These are the redeemed of the Lord. Now, redeemed from where? From the hand of the enemy. Oh, an enemy God. Let me tell you something, folks. This is a battlefield. Amen. There is armor that we Christians are supposed to be wearing. There are some enemies that are out to get you, get your family, get our community, get our country, get this world, and get them away from God. All right? Uh, the first one and the obvious one is our adversary, the devil. He is called our adversary. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If you have the word picture of a lion devouring somebody in your mind, is he you know, making a nice incision on them like somebody doing a surgery? No, he is tearing them up. <laughs> when a lion devours somebody, they tear them up. It is very cruel. It is horrible. We have an adversary that is a monster. And the Lord is out to redeem us from that enemy. But he will not do it against our will. If you choose to go to the lion, he'll let you go. I've made some wrong decisions in my life. And looked up and saw a couple of lions around and said, Lord, why'd you let me do this? He said, you insisted. <laughs> just being honest with you, as they say, just being real with you, man. <laughs> He said, you remember when I told you here, 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 and here not to do that? I said, yeah, well, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> but Lord, that's several months ago, and I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, well, when there's a lion involved, it's a little more crucial than just, I uh, hope I remember. There's a lion out there. Your adversary, the devil. I'll tell you another one that's an enemy of our Lord is this world. Amen. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Amen. Now this, uh, this text says, The redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. There's no doubt the devil is our adversary. He's our enemy. And there is no doubt this world is our enemy. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. If there was anybody that I knew was out to hurt you bad, kill you or your family, and I was big buddies with them, would you not have a problem with me? <laughs> oh, yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. If I love you, and I'm best friends with this guy that I know is trying to kill you, up, kill you or at least beat you up real bad, and your wife, and your kids... There's no way I'm a real good friend of yours. That doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you about how this world feels about our God. They hate Him. They want nothing to do with anything He says or anything He teaches. You friends with them? 
There is a problem. They are the enemy of the Lord. The hand of the enemy, that adversary of the devil, the world. But before you get all separated, you go, well, I don't have anything to do with this world. I'm just going to move out in the country <laughs> to get away from this dirty world. Because Brother Bob just said they're his enemy. Let me tell you about this enemy you'll take with you if you do go out in the country. <laughs> you. <laughs> Your flesh. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. Anywhere you take your belly with you, and that's about anywhere you go as far as I know, you have taken somebody who is an enemy of God. The stuff you love, the stuff that gives you a little flutter in your tummy, the stuff that gives you a thrill and a rush in your middle. <laughs> that stuff is an enemy of God. Romans 8, 7. Because the carnal mind, carnal is fleshy. Amen. Chili con carne is chili with meat. Because carne is flesh. So a carnal mind would be a fleshy mind. I like chili con carne. I even like pizza cone carne. <laughs> I like anything cone carne. But let me tell you about meat, flesh, enmity with God. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So what's the enemy of God? That which is not subject to the law of God. Or as they say these days, and boy do they hate it, it just can't go by his rules. <laughs> Boy, do we ever live in a lawless day. You even bring up some rules and everybody just gets plumb beside themselves and thinks, Oh no, it ain't no rules. Oh no, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. Listen, folks, you can't have a relationship with somebody you offend with everything you do. <laughs> and God Almighty has some high standards. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So we've got enemies of the Lord that he redeemed us from. The devil, the adversary, the world, the flesh, oh boy, i got one more. Religion. You know what kept you from God for a long time in many cases? Your religion. You know what God had to do? He had to get rid of some people's religion. He saved them. Ephesians 2. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. You say, wait a minute. You were just talking about the good, goodness of the law of God. Well, yeah, amen, if it's used lawfully. If it's used in our day in accordance with the church age epistles, because that's the age in which we are, amen then. But what about when you put the religion, you put the rules, you put the law ahead of God? Ephesians 2.15, we see the Lord Jesus fulfilled all that for us. Mm -hmm. So while that's very important in your daily walk, to show that you want to walk and please God in this way, as Paul says, it is not what you should have your trust in. Yeah. Having abolished in his flesh. The word abolish is a good strong word. Mm -hmm. It does not mean to slightly, dis, um, to slightly hide it. It means to take it plumb out. 
plumb out. I'm not sure if that's correct or not. <laughs> Completely away. <laughs> Abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. All right, there's some enemies you need to get redeemed from. The devil, the world, your own flesh, and religion. All right, that's the description of the redeemed. I'll tell you one other thing about the... Well, I forgot one other enemy. <laughs> Let me tell you that last, final, sure enough enemy is death. Oh, yeah. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Amen. I'm glad the Lord is going to redeem me from death. Mm -hmm. Yes, amen. We're going to a funeral today. Breaks our heart. There were people breaking down and crying at various times throughout the visitation yesterday, remembering some precious memories. I am sure glad one of these days we're not going to the graveyard anymore. I am sure glad that one of these days, everybody that I love that is in the graves is going to come forth. I'm looking forward to that wonderful day. Somebody at the visitation was asking me about the rapture. Now, this Christian doctrine of the rapture, do you believe in it? I said, yes, sir. First Thessalonians chapter 4. You need to read it. It gives it in detail. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Tell you something else about these redeemed. Besides these enemies they're being redeemed from, these come from everywhere. Psalm 107 says in verse 3, And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And by the way, there's a real tribulation application of this passage, doctrinally speaking. But we're, we're preaching a more practical version of it now. But John 11.52 says, talking about the Lord, it says, And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Let me tell you about human beings scattered all over this earth. We all need to be redeemed from the Lord. Amen. While there may be a, a special doctrinal application to the Jews here, it being in the Old Testament, while they were still under the law and everything, I promise you that practically speaking, we all need to be redeemed of the Lord. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. So that's the description of the redeemed. Now let's look at the past of the redeemed. What is in their past here in this passage? Look at verse 4. It says, They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. A good way to summarize that is this. They were lost. But very few words describe us before salvation better than that word. Lost! It's like being in black darkness and you can't feel your way out and you don't know where you are and you don't know what to do. There was a time I was sleeping in a strange place and there wasn't any light at all coming in the window or anything and it was completely black. And I was in bunk beds and there was something over my head and of course the bed beneath me and I, in my sleep, got turned over against the wall. <laughs> and I woke up and it was totally pitch black dark. I'm used to, you know, a little moonlight coming through the window or something. I mean, it was totally pitch black dark. 
and I felt something underneath me and something over me, and I reached forward, and there was the wall right in front of me, and I got scared. I thought, where am I? I rolled back the other way, about rolled plumb out on the floor <laughs> off the bunk bed. But I, you know what? I was there for a few seconds. I was lost. You know what that's a good picture of? That's a good picture of some people trying to live their lives and it's just pitch black and they can't figure out where they are or if it's a good place or a bad place or how to get out and explore. They don't know what to do. And they got their buddy saying, listen to this music. And their buddy saying, try this thrill. And somebody else saying, try this romance. And somebody else saying, try this money-making opportunity. And somebody else saying, try this entertainment. Somebody else saying, try this health fix. And they, and they try them all a little bit, and none of them work all that great, and they're not finding any happiness. It is like somebody groping in the dark. It is like somebody wandering in the wilderness. I looked up the word wilderness means a desert or a place uncultivated or uninhabited. There ain't a nice restaurant on every corner. There's nobody around for fellowship. You get sad. You get lonely. They're wandering and they're in the wilderness. Then it says, in a solitary way. In a solitary way. My goodness. Psalm 40 verse 2 says, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Yes. You know what goes on whenever the Lord has to come redeem you? You're in a horrible pit. You're in a place you can't find the way out. There are plenty of people, even in our town, let alone, let alone all over this country and all over this world, they can't take enough drugs to feel any better. They can't drink enough liquor to feel any better. They can't have enough entertainment, listen to enough songs, and watch enough romances, and get enough friendship, and have enough experiences to feel better from all the Amen. depression that's on. Yeah. You know what that is? That's a horrible pit. It's a bad place to be. You know what you do when you find yourself in that place? Say something like this. Lord, save me. Let him deliver you. Psalm 143, 8. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. The past of the redeemed is they wandered. They were in the wilderness. They were in a solitary way. You get all sad and lonely, you get looking for somebody. Now, I'm unusually blessed in my situation. I have church family. I have people I work with that love me and take care of me. I've got friends that call me from all over the country, and I try my best to be a ministry to them. But even so, with my situation, you all know, I, I get in the dump sometimes. More than once, my family has rescued me. More than once, Dustin there has rescued me. Jumps on the phone or shows up unannounced. Praise the Lord for it. You know why? You don't want to be in a solitary way. Amen. With no city. Hebrews 11 says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11:16. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. You know what the blessing of that city is? Number one, you're not alone. You've got fellowship with people that love you. And number two, it isn't like this world cities. It's a holy one. Looking for a city. We used to sing at Tabernacle down there in Greenville. 
where we'll never die. There the sainted millions never say goodbye. There we'll meet the Savior and our loved ones too. Come, Holy Spirit, all our hopes renew. I remember them singing that before they get going real good in there. In a solitary way. I'll tell you something else, hungry and thirsty. That tells me their needs weren't being met. You know, there are a lot of people whose needs aren't being met, and they're trying a bunch of different things. They tell me that if you're hungry for certain vitamins and minerals that your body really needs, it's telling you to eat. And a lot of people get overweight because they keep eating, and it isn't that they need more food in general. It's that their body is wanting a certain thing, and they're not giving it to it, to their body. And the body's saying, eat, eat, I need this, I need this, I need this. And you know, if you're giving it Twinkies, it probably ain't got the, <laughs> the vitamin you're needing, even though it tastes good just for a moment, you know, if that's what you like. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things which could not satisfy. There are some things that you need in your life that only the Lord Jesus can supply. And every other thing you try to plug in there isn't going to do it. And you're going to keep eating and taking more and more and more and establish some bad habits. And what's really missing is the Lord. Hungry and thirsty. Let me tell you what happens when you keep trying things and none of them work. You get ready to give up. You get discouraged. You get sad. And so it says in verse 5 here of Psalm 107, Hungry and thirsty, comma, their soul fainted in them. Let me tell you what will keep your soul going. Fellowship with the Lord. Meet with Him every morning. Even the days that it doesn't seem like it's doing anything. You know, if you eat just exactly right and get all the vitamins and everything that you, your body needs, the day you... Today, and let's say you started that today. Today, when you ate that meal, you might feel a little bit better. But you would think, well, if I skip one day, it won't hurt. But if you're doing that every day, even the days that it doesn't really feel like it's doing anything, guess what it's doing? It's putting nutrition in your body that will pay off in the long run. If you stay in fellowship with the Lord and you obey in His Word and stay in places where His Spirit is, it'll put some things in you that will sure pay off in the long run. Hungry and thirsty, soul fainting. So that's their past. Wandering and in a wilderness and in a solitary way and hungry and thirsty and their soul fainting. Thank God, let's look at the turning point of the redeemed in verse 6 and the first part of verse 7. Verse 6, the turning point is, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. The turning point came when in this soul fainting way, the Lord sends some trouble then. Doesn't it seem like it piles up sometimes? Oh, You're already kind of wore out and the Lord sends one or two more. <laughs> you know why he does that, don't you? You hadn't cried out to him yet. <laughs> you thought, oh, here's another bill I've got to pay. Oh, here's another problem I'm sitting worried about. <laughs> Start crying out yeah. early in the process. <laughs> Now, sometimes he'll keep sending them even then because he's got a plan going you and I don't know about. But I promise you this, when you get trouble and distresses, you need to call unto the Lord. James 5.13 says it this way. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. If that's what the Word of God says, let me tell you something. If you're afflicted, pray. 
you just lose a loved one, pray. Are you not sure how you're going to make the bills? Pray. Are you going through a depression? Pray. Are you going through a health problem? Pray. You got a problem in your family? Pray. Is any of you afflicted? Pray. Trouble and distress, distresses are the thing that led them to cry unto the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. The turning point was when the trouble and distresses compounded upon their loneliness and their soul fainting. And they cried unto the Lord. And what did he do? He delivered them. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, There is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Now, I promise you, there have been people who have been way out in the wilderness and in a solitary way, hungry and thirsty and their soul fainting, and they thought they were in a place God couldn't help. He can't. There are people who think they don't need the Lord. There are people that think they have sinned too much that he couldn't save them anymore. I guarantee you, he can. He delivered them. But then, without the rest of verse 7, I would be discouraged. But notice what it says. It says, and he led them forth by the right way. He doesn't just get you out of the wilderness and then leave you. Hope you can find your way back home. He leads you by the right way. Hey, listen, I'm talking to some young people here. You've got some life changes coming up. You're going to be doing some things differently than you've been doing them for your whole life. You're going to be around some people and some temptations you're not used to being around. And mom and daddy and preacher and teacher and others aren't going to be there. You better start relying on the Lord to lead you in the right way. Amen. There is one way he talks to us. Amen. Keep in yes. that. Amen. Put the little electronic screen down. You say, well, you can read your Bible on it. Yeah, will you? <laughs> A lot of times we need to put that thing down and read ink on paper. The Bible in the New Testament talks about, talks about the Word of God getting to you. What it uses, it uses words like pen and ink, paper and ink. <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong to have it electronically. But I'm a lot more comfortable with an old book. Because <laughs> you can always say you're reading, and who knows what you're doing on that thing. But he'll lead them by a right way. We're in the book of Psalms already. Let's look over to 25. Psalm 25. Psalm 25, verse 4. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. I can just see David praying that to the Lord. Saying, forget the sins of my youth and lead me and guide me. Oh, dear Lord, I need you. You say I'm going to be king of this place, and yet I got Saul trying to kill me. Oh, guide me, Lord. What do I do next? We got a messed up world. 
that we're all living in, especially you young people going in, my heart goes out to you. You better get the guidance of the Lord. It'll come through. Where we are. Come through the Bible. That's the turning point of the redeemed. Now let's look at the purpose of the redeemed. Psalm 107, verse 7. And led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. So the first uh, purpose is that they can go to a city of habitation. The Lord doesn't have you in a wilderness just to leave you there. If you think that is what the Lord does and you put that kind of harsh motive on God, I can tell you something for sure. You do not understand the loving kindness of the Lord that this chapter is trying to teach. Now, He'll let you go to the wilderness. I'll promise you that. But, it is not His intention to leave you there. He brings you out. And we're going to read about three other examples of people that get in a real mess that He brings them out. If you stay in the wilderness, it's because you chose to stay and didn't follow His path because He makes a way out. Or uh, puts you in families. Psalm 68, 6 says, God setteth the solitary in families. It's not, it's not God's intention in most cases for you to be alone. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, or I will read it to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now look down at verse 12. <coughs> that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. When the Lord sees you far off, he takes the blood of Jesus Christ. You tell me a more powerful tool than that to draw you nigh and get you back in fellowship. There's no more powerful tool than the blood of Jesus Christ. There's not a more valuable tool. What is worth more than the blood of God's Son? Amen. Nothing. So the purpose of the redeemed is, number one, that they might go to a city of habitation or be in a family. Uh, number two, to praise God. Look at verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Listen, God is going to use you to bless somebody else. And when you can give a testimony of something you've been through that God brought you out of, and you've got the victory and you've got the joy, you can't calculate how that can help somebody. <clears throat> There is no way for me to tell you what a blessing it will be to them. And let me say this, what a blessing it will be to you to know God is using you in that way. There is no better life than being used of God for the thing that he has for you. And, and it's different for each one. You know, everyone has the same calling. But I, I promise you this, if you'll find that calling and, and live it, oh, 
what a blessing it will be. And nothing in your life will be able to compare. Please, I beg you, get with God and say, Lord, show me what it is you'd have me to do for you. And it doesn't need to be a great thing, and it doesn't need to be a famous thing, and it doesn't need to be ten things. Just find one or two things that you know He'd love for you to do, and do them faithfully. Even on the days when it doesn't seem like it's really doing anything, just keep doing them. And watch the Lord bless. And you'll praise Him. I guarantee you will want to praise a God that's using you that way. Let me read it to you from Isaiah 63 here. We're drawing this down. Isaiah 63, verse 7. I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he said, Surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their Savior. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. That's a great testimony. That's how you want to live. Say, Lord, in all my affliction, you were afflicted right with me. In the lion's den, your angel was there. In the fiery furnace, there you were. When Paul was given his answer... And all men forsook him. Nevertheless, the Lord stood with him. Amen. You just stay faithful and watch God show up time after time. Amen. But it's going to require a commitment. Mm -hmm. Amen. It's the first time you get left out in the wilderness, you say, forget this. <laughs> I can understand looking through eyes of flesh. It does look like a pretty stupid thing. There are some people uh, in this town say that about your pastor. <laughs> He is stupid. He's crazy. He's wasted his life on this stuff. Well, I, let me tell you what. The Lord has stayed with me through all of it. Amen. That they might go to a city of habitation. That they might praise God. And then look at this one. I, I have to admit it sounds a little bit selfish. But one of their purposes is to be satisfied and filled. Look at verse 9. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. If you get satisfaction and get filled up with goodness, you've got something the world, the flesh, oh and the devil has never been able to offer. Oh, yeah. Solomon, Solomon, who had whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, said it is all vanity and vexation of spirit. I've preached a sermon here several months ago where I went down a list of the rich and the famous. And told them all their things they said about how empty their lives were in spite of all their riches. Of course, the famous one is uh, old Mick Jagger singing, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> Look what God promises. He satisfieth yeah. the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. I don't care if they give you a billion dollars. They can't satisfy your soul. You want to read the life stories of the billionaires in this world and how they're never satisfied and people can't live with them and people people can't stand them and all their relationships break down and they don't have any happiness and they can't get off the drugs and the liquor. You want to read their stories? If you get satisfaction and feeling you've got something the world, the flesh, and the devil combined can't give you. Amen. And God Almighty.
to you, and you can start on it today. Right. You want that? <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you turn that down, you're turning something down that billionaires would give every dime they have yes. for. Amen. What is their purpose? That they might go to a city of habitation, that they might praise God, and they might be satisfied and filled. That's the way to live. Your satisfaction and your filling will come from God, and it won't come from anywhere else. Now, as we said at the outset of this message, the purpose for this psalm is to make people understand the Lord's loving kindness. And in the last couple verses here that we read, the psalmist does give three groups and their responses to these big turnarounds that are described like five times in this chapter. All right, uh, we don't have time to get into all the big turnarounds. We just did the first one today, but let's look at the summary at the end of the chapter. Uh, verse 42, it says, The righteous shall see it and rejoice. So if you're righteous and you see these things, let me tell you what you do. You rejoice. That's correct. You see somebody else get saved, you rejoice. You see some young person dedicate their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, you rejoice. Amen. You see somebody turn around and start living for God and love Him more and serve Him more and take on another ministry and see the joy that they get, you rejoice just seeing that. You know why you ought to be in a Bible-believing Baptist church? So you can see that stuff and rejoice because that's what a righteous person does when they see it. Amen. It gives God's people another occasion to praise Him because He mildly changes fortune. Let it serve as a reminder to those that live righteously, but you're still on the downside of one of these turnarounds that morning is still coming. Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. We can only last for the night. One way or the other, on earth or in heaven, there's going to be a big turnaround for you. Second, Note the stopped mouth of iniquity. So the first one in verse 42 is the righteous. They see it and rejoice. The second group is iniquity, and they have to stop their mouth. <laughs> oh, that's a blessed truth. <laughs> oh, how the wicked run their mouths. And when you're down, well, where is your God? Well, how did that work for you? <laughs> well, it doesn't look like it's working too great for you. Listen, I promise you, when you're living for the... Lord, there will be times that people forsake you. There will be times your heart will be broken. There will be times some things won't go the way you wish that they would. And iniquity will start talking. And that makes the Lord angry. And the Lord wants them to stop their mouths. I get reading over there in the book of Acts when Paul is uh, witnessing that Sergius Paulus he wanted to hear the word of God, and Elymas the sorcerer showed up. You know why it said he wanted to turn him from the faith? And the, the apostle Paul fussed at him and said, Oh, thou enemy of righteousness. Let me tell you what the Lord does. He stops the mouth of iniquity. But he doesn't do it on day one. What he's doing, he's testing to see if you will stay faithful. That's correct. Will you stay faithful even when Mr. Hard Times comes? Will you stay faithful even when iniquity is running its mouth? Will you stay faithful? If you will, you'll have the rejoicing of the righteous. But eventually there will come a time when iniquity shall stop her mouth. All right, now, so we have the, the righteous rejoicing. We have iniquity stopping their mouths. And third, we have the wise watching. Verse 43, whoso is wise and will observe these things. 
Even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. You know what you need to do, young people? Start watching. Start seeing how it turns out for the people that have been faithful to the Lord. Start seeing how it turns out for the people that sin and turn away from the Lord. Sit and watch. You're, you're, you don't have the, the years of experience yet. You don't have the perspective of decades yet. But you will. And the Bible said, whoso is wise will observe these things. And you know what you'll know at the end of that? You will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And you'll see that holding out faithful is the way to go. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study.